Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Right, so compulsive overeater, Peggy. Quick qualification for me, compulsive overeater means uh, volume, 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 lots of food, um, as well as uh, exercise bulimia. Uh, I've never been compulsive about, <laughs> like, I need to exercise. I've been, I've got to get rid of what I ate. That was my deal with exercise. And uh, I brought pictures, even though they're not going to be very helpful on the podcast, but um I just looked a variety of ways, whoops, in my disease. And uh, I'd like to point out that there's me, that's not my baby in the picture, and that's not baby fat. I've never been pregnant. Um, Variety of sizes. And um, that's one of the symptoms of my disease. My body changes. Uh, But for me, for me, for this compulsive overeater, uh, a normal looking body size is not an indication of a healthy, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, and in my uh, story, I came in at the age of 42. I'm 55 now. And, um, and what do I want to say about that? I want to say I had seven years in program it took me a a while to get honest um i got a sponsor pretty much immediately and that sponsor wasn't didn't give me much direction she said answer the book the questions in the workbook um and she asked me uh you know, we met weekly and I, I read her the questions that I had answered. And then when I finished, I moved on to the next step. That's how we worked them. And uh, I had a definition that I vaguely remember of what my abstinence was. No obvious recreational sugar. That's what I called it. No recreational sugar and um, no eating after dinner. And I enjoyed freedom from recreational sugar which was definitely had been a problem. (laughs) And I enjoyed freedom from eating after dinner, which is a huge problem. I'm a big night eater uh, for five years. Uh, What I want to say about my night eating is um, I didn't know this wasn't true. I I I wasn't consciously thinking I will die if I don't eat something but I believed that to be true. Um, I couldn't imagine not eating after dinner when I was in the disease. And uh, it would take, you know, I'd be a guest in someone's home and I'd be in their kitchen in the middle of the night eating their food and terrified of being caught, but I couldn't stop myself. Um, I have lots of stories about compulsive overeating, but I'm going to Fast forward to my relapse. And um, for me, um, by that time I had switched sponsors and I'd been doing a daily 10th step. I'd worked 
worked, whatever that means, steps one through nine. And uh, this particular sponsor got me started on the daily 10th step, for which I will be forever grateful. Uh, and as has already been read, uh, step 10, the, the shorthand for step 10 is continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Um, and we spoke every day, not the same time every day, but we spoke every day. And I have to tell you, that was really the first time, in hindsight, I, I was really taking personal inventory. I took a daily inventory and um, I'm a people pleaser, which served me well, um, because I wanted, to, I wanted to do a good job, you know? Um, I'm sure I wanted to continue to be abstinent, but I want to tell you that, um, in hindsight, I was still using food. I was using food to cover emotions and uh, I don't judge that. Um, and that's just true. Um, I was eating, I would, I was occasionally overeating and I was occasionally just grabbing food without being conscious that I was covering emotions. Wasn't conscious that I was, that was why I was eating. Um, but anyway, I had a daily format, which began with the third step prayer, which is beautiful. And then I would just list any resentments I had, any fears I had, anything else. And uh, then the seventh step prayer, and I would share it with her, and we'd talk about it. And that was really lovely. Um, and I'm going to speed up and say um, I learned through that process that I needed, <laughs> really, I'm having the feelings are coming back up. I'm so grateful to be in another program today, and I'm not going to talk about that program, but um but boy, I did not want to have to go to another program <laughs> when I realized uh, that, um, and I couldn't understand why I had gone to that program, have to, had to go to that program, because my understanding of that program was that you had to be friend or family of an alcoholic. And I didn't, I didn't see that, um, because that's how good my compulsive overeating was at, at uh, protecting me uh, uh, from reality. Okay, so anyway, uh, during the course of entering that program, which I believe was, <laughs> uh, as I got further away from certain eating behaviors, certain memories started to bubble up and I started to have emotions that uh, were pretty awful uh, that, I started remembering some things that were pretty awful uh, during the course of uh, being in that other room and listening to other people's stories. And I fell back into the food. Uh, it started sneakily. <laughs> I just thought I was so such a recovered compulsive overeater that I could handle certain foods that I can't handle. And then, I don't know, one day I just had to admit that I was in relapse. And I will be forever grateful, actually. I was at my place of work and 
a former sponsor walked in and he asked me how I was. And I was just struck with the honesty to say, I'm in relapse. And he said, um, go to meetings uh, every day and uh, be honest. And I did. And that was great. And um, I got another sponsor. I got a different sponsor. Uh, I talked over with the current sponsor and we agreed I'd been lying to her about food. And I'm going to cut to the chase. And that is uh, the person I asked uh, had what I wanted. He lived by the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, he had freedom from compulsive overeating and he was a kind, loving person. And he asked me if I would be willing to call him every day at 6.30 a.m. And I said, yes, I would be willing to do that because I was desperate. And we started a reading out of the big book from the, from the cover on. That's how we go through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And he made it clear to me that was enough to read and study the big book. But I needed to do the things that the people who had recovered uh, did in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So I don't count days. Uh, my uh, relief from compulsive overeating was not linear. Uh, I had so many times early on working with him where, you know, I would call him in the morning crying. I was trying so hard and I... You know, I compulsively overate last night. You know, I went to the store on the corner or whatever I did. And he would just say, of course you did. You're a compulsive overeater and you don't have the solution yet. You know, of course you did. Um, we're just going to keep working the steps. So uh, over time, uh, there were fewer and fewer days of doing that uh, and more and more days where I just had freedom from the behavior, uh, which I consider physical abstinence. My physical abstinence in Overeaters Anonymous is I don't uh, eat compulsively. I don't touch the foods that for me are alcoholic. And, um, and in the past six years, I would say um, there more more foods have been lifted from me. Sometimes I've had to break up with food, certain foods, like I had to break up with peanuts over COVID. Um, it wasn't because I was uh, binging on them or compulsively overeating them. It just my higher power's like, yeah, you're done with those. Those aren't working for you anymore, and I want freedom. Um, sometimes I just notice I've stopped. Protein bars are an example. I just, somewhere along the line, just stopped buying them. Uh, anyway, <sighs> so um, nowadays, um, I work <laughs> all the steps every day. That's what, uh, that's what practicing the principles in all of my affairs uh, means to me. And um, I was asked to share my experience of 10, 11, and 12. And I want to say that I don't know how to work those three steps separately. I don't know how to do that. Um, I, um, yeah, 
So I'll just tell, I'll tell you what I've been doing for a few years now. Um, I get up an hour before I'm going to call my sponsor and I sit at my kitchen table with pen and paper and coffee and I just try to make conscious contact. Hopefully as soon as the alarm went off, I was making conscious contact and uh, I continue um, to seek conscious contact through prayer and meditation. And some of that looks like I'm writing something down, you know? Um, and, uh, and, um, I continue to take personal inventory throughout the day, but in the morning it starts with, wow, what are those little rabbit hamsters running around in my head telling me, you know, what, <laughs> what, in the world is going on in my head right now. And I just dump it onto the paper. Um, and then I uh, really ask God to help me get quiet. And I use the word God because it's super convenient and it doesn't trigger me anymore. And I, I ask for help. What is the emotion I'm actually experiencing? And I write the emotions down. and the action of writing uh, helps me kind of drill down to what the underlying emotion is. Um, I might be feeling uh, self-righteous indignation or anger. That's one of my favorites, self-righteous indignation. Um, I might be um, feeling lonely. Uh, I might be feeling, uh, I have a lot of, uh, I feel ashamed. I feel guilty for having done something. Um, and at the bottom of it all is I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I am bad and that other people are going to find out and then I'm not lovable. That's the fear. Um, and that I'm not going to be taken care of. So, <sighs> right. Over the years of this practice, I've gotten to know myself really well. And I've gotten to know my higher power really well. Um, I am aware of stories I've been carrying around with me for a lifetime that maybe don't even belong to me, uh, maybe are somebody else's story. Um, I've become aware of um, the exact nature of, uh, I use the word character defect, because uh, it just means something has gone a little bit off <laughs> with a character trait of mine, right? I have lots of beautiful assets, and sometimes... <laughs> 10 more minutes. Thanks, love. And um, uh, sometimes those traits, because I wanted to survive in the house I grew up in or out, you know, once I grew up, I used food so effectively, I wasn't aware <laughs> that I was actually safe and I had much more agency than the little kid 
who thought she was responsible for everything but had no agency, you know. And I developed sort of character distortions, my assets. I'm a very friendly, loving person. I am a very, I like to connect with other people. Um, but some of my distortions involve uh, enmeshment, uh, actually believing I know what's going on in someone else's head and that's going to keep me safe, you know, if I can stay ahead of that. Um, People-pleasing, um, lots of things. But that doesn't mean that the actual trait is bad. It just means I need to get right size, which I hear a lot in OA and which for me means <laughs> is is a spiritual concept, not a having nothing to do with the scale or how my clothes fit. So I'm going to jump over to step 12 uh, because it is an essential part of these other two. I learned so much about myself. Um, as I have already said, I try to practice all the steps each, you know, whatever situation I'm in. Okay, God, oh, what do I need to do? You know, I need to pray for humility. I need to um, uh, ask God to help me out with uh, my impatience because I'm trying to run on momentum and suddenly somebody's in my way. They're not in my way. It's not my way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I try to work the steps throughout my day. And um, what's really helpful in doing that is to have uh, sponsees. And I want to just pause here and say, I'm so grateful, so, so grateful for Zoom meetings because, um, because I've got to meet folk uh, that I never would have met otherwise. And um, I get to participate in uh, the East Bay Fellowship, for example, uh, which is amazing. And, um, and I have sponsees who I've never met since uh, Shelter in Place, and it's a joy. Um, and as I take sponsees through the steps, I'm practicing the steps. I'm learning more and more about myself and how the steps apply to me as I share my experience uh, strength and hope. And when I sponsor, all I have to offer is my own experience. I don't try to solve. Sponsee isn't a project. <laughs> sponsee isn't a, you know, a sponsee is somebody who, you know, I guess I just share what I've learned and it, it may not be helpful to them and they have their own higher power. And my sponsees and I have a shared higher power and these relationships are beautiful and sometimes people leave me and that's okay you know sometimes my sponsees uh get into the food that's that's okay you know um i would say to anyone in this zoom room or listening to this podcast um if you're in the food right now if you are suffering from the compulsion to eat or if you're habitually sticking your head in the toilet or um, whatever food solution you're trying uh, to solve your life problems, it isn't your fault. <laughs> it's a disease and um, you belong in OA. 
if you're relapsing, you belong in OA, please stay. Um, so anyway, back to step 12. Um, I can't, I can't uh, offer what I don't have. <laughs> and everything I have, I have through my higher power. And, um, and the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will also say part of my practice is a weekly open AA meeting. And I'm very welcomed in that fellowship. And um, I get to practice in every area of my life completely and perfectly um, everything I learn every day with my sponsor and sponsees and going to meetings and listening to fellows, I get to practice living a better life. My relationships, uh, I think this is true of all improved. All, all, all my relationships improved. My primary relationship used to be food <laughs> and what the scale said. And, uh, um, that isn't my primary relationship anymore. Um, I, gosh, what else can I say? I, um, oh, here's a little story. Yeah, I, uh, I, <laughs> I was living with someone at the beginning of shelter in place. He's since moved out, but, um, I, uh, in running an inventory, realized I had wronged him and sought to make amends to him. And I was really clear on uh, what the wrong was. <laughs> and he said, look, you know, I, uh, I've, <laughs> I have been really territorial about the kitchen in the morning. Uh, and sometimes you're up and you want to use the kitchen and I definitely, you know, sitting there with my pen and paper, I'm not welcoming. You know, I haven't greeted you with a smile. And I'm sorry for that. You know, you deserve better than that. This is your home too. And he'd been living with me for about two years. And all of a sudden, he just let go two years worth of resentment he had toward me um, that he'd been bottling up and not talking to me about. And, um, this was six months ago, and I have to say, even in the last six months, this practice has been amazing, amazing to me. I feel like I've had the opportunity for so much growth even since then. But even back six months ago, when he uh, read my inventory to me, <laughs> I was completely unruffled. I mean, I was bummed out that I had no idea he was carrying this stuff around, but he didn't tell me anything, anything I didn't already know and hadn't already resolved. You know, like I'd been making living amends and he wasn't recognizing it and that's okay. And I've learned, you know, I have another roommate uh, as well. And I've learned that, um, you know, we can make direct amends we can change our behavior. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I can change my behavior, but through God, my behavior changes, you know, and uh, I've definitely experienced a transformation uh, as the result of working the steps and particularly focusing on 10 and 11 and 12 every day. Um, but it takes time. Time isn't a tool. Time doesn't buy me abstinence. 
but it takes time. It takes a lot of time <laughs> uh, sometimes for the people we've wronged to trust us again. You know, it's taken me time to learn to trust myself and it's taken uh, uh, one of my favorite acronyms that I've learned in program is trust to really understand step three. I love that. And I think I have no idea what I've said to you all, <laughs> but I will say a few nuggets I've picked up uh, through uh, my years in this beautiful fellowship. Uh, the action is the accomplishment, right? I'm not in the results business. God's job is results. My job is footwork. I'm powerless. I'm not helpless. I'm powerless, but I get to ask for lots of help. Uh, I was taught this when I was in relapse. Fine, Peggy. Great. Thank you. Uh, truth is essential. Without love, it is intolerable. I ate because I couldn't handle the truth. Uh, the love I get in OA and from the steps, uh, I'm able to live in the great reality. Thank you so very much for asking me to share today. Thank you.